Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. All of us are deep into COVID burnout, I'm sure. So we at Hidden Layers are happy we can bring you some new content. Today, we're excited to have We Tran, the manager of digital planning at Adidas. He joined Adidas, or Adidas, in March from Amazon, where he worked in their advertising partnerships group. We graduated from the University of California, Riverside, currently resides in Portland, Oregon. And as I just found out, uh, just moved there right as COVID began uh, from New York City. So welcome to Hidden Layers, We Hi, thank you guys for having me. So tell us about your role at Adidas. How does, oh wait, let's, let's take a step back. Is it Adidas or is it Adidas? Uh, that's a great question. So interestingly enough, uh, it depends on what country you're in. Um, I know internally in North America, we call it Adidas, but Adidas is technically um, the global representation of the brand. Also fun fact, Adidas is always spelled with a lowercase a. Oh, really? That is interesting. I mean, I know the logo is a lowercase. That's a good little tidbit. All right. So your role, digital planning at Adidas, how does that look? Like what is what is digital advertising? What is digital marketing at Adidas these days? Definitely. So my role is a little unique in that I manage digital planning for wholesale channels. So typically brands look at their media investment or their marketing mix as just direct response and brand. So my role sits in between the two and it's really here to uh, provide that strategic um, tailored approach to how we bring our brand to market across our wholesale partners in the, in the digital space. Okay. So how does that work? So, so you, you bring together both performance and brand advertising? How, how does that look? Definitely. So I think this is interesting because um, from an owned and operated channel, we have, uh, you know, our data sets that we use to drive our dot-com business. But we had a few insights that showed us that, you know, as these digital planning partnerships and wholesale channels are getting larger, such as Amazon, such as exporting goods, such as footlockers, and they hold their own digital realm, we need an additional team to really dive into the insights of how our consumers are performing within the, or engaging within these channels and devise an experience that is true to our brand while still being native to these environments. So I take these insights from the brand side, which is how we develop our content, as well as consumer behavior and data points from our wholesale partners and merge them together to bring our brand to light in a very consistent and a very brand safe and brand friendly way. Okay, so that's interesting. So your wholesale partners, let's talk about the difference, right? Because you're owned and operated, you own all that data, you understand who the customer is, you know, you know, their address for shipping, you, you understand how they traversed your site, etc. What kind of data and insights are you getting from your wholesale partners? I'm sure Amazon doesn't deliver the same kind of uh, uh, data richness that, that your owned and operated does. Definitely. And I think that is the biggest pain point as a brand, right, is trying to understand how your consumer exists and engages with your brand on different channels when that clarity and when that transparency and data doesn't exist. 
As we become a more digital brand and expand our presence in these wholesale channels, our partnerships do allow a bit more granularity in the data that we get passed back. So we do rely on our partners to know their realm the best and to provide the expertise back to us. And we rely on that trust and those data points that can be shared outside of their walls as a partner to them to devise our strategy within their walls. So for instance, Amazon is is mega, right? They they are the big, big gorilla in the room. They don't really have to do that much to help you. Do you see a difference in the other partners like a Dick Sporting Goods or I, I would assume a Foot Locker type company versus Amazon? It's actually interesting you bring that up. And coming from Amazon, it is a very data forward company internally. And I think that Amazon very much surprised itself on the idea of customer obsession. So as a partner to them and as a customer of theirs, we do get quite a plethora of self-service uh, reporting and insights that they're really expanding into the marketplace. And I think that as um, you know, advertisers, as marketers, and just as business owners, those self-service insights have given us the tools that we need to really dive deep into our business from an Amazon perspective and really drive that forward and drive, drive that scale that we need. For traditional brick and mortar stores that have gone digital, I think the disconnect and data there is a little bit more discrepant. I know, typically speaking, we rely on them for quite a bit of expertise within their walls because ultimately they know their consumer experience and user experience the best. I think where we run into issues there is that because brick and mortar stores are really built on the foundations of an in-person measurement, when we translate that into a digital experience, those metrics don't always carry over and the infrastructure doesn't exist. So I would say taking a look and comparing the experiences between our traditional brick and mortar stores from a digital perspective to a digital behemoth like Amazon, there is a lot of translation in terms of data and measurements of success that we need to do in order to assess the performance and our media mix holistically. Interesting. So let's step back now to the insights and the creation of the strategy. Can you walk us through a little bit of how you do that? How do you gather all this data up from owned and operated, wholesale, et cetera? What kinds of decisions do you change? Are you changing the look and feel of the Amazon store uh, front? Or you know, how, how does that, what, what kind of examples do you have? What kind of output do you have from all that analysis? So I think data is at the forefront of every decision that we make, just being a digital first brand. So from the brand perspective, where data comes into play is um, understanding where we're going into market, where our brand heat is. So with our upcoming launches, what is the overall sentiment of our brand in the marketplace? What are the assets that we can use in terms of digital production and banners? What are the athletes that we have partnerships with in the market that will help us bring residents to light in a digital place like Amazon, where it is a little bit more direct response? response focus. So taking those insights to understand the consumer behavior and where we want to go as a brand holistically, we have an understanding of where we need to go within the Amazon space to execute that. So I think one thing that is very important to identify, especially working in um, in this wholesale channel and just as a brand holistically is understanding how your paid and owned lovers exist and own in the sense being uh, SEO or products page optimizations and paid being paid media lovers. So I think the forefront of 
the experience that we look at is how is our consumer really engaging with these wholesale partners and that how do we amplify that? So we take those insights in terms of how they behave and how they're engaging with their individual pages and brand stores to make those optimizations based off of um, engagement rates and just data points that we have within our brand. And once we have that experience mapped out in a very concise and fluid fashion, we put fire on the flame by really re uh, relying on paid media sources to, to bring that traffic and fuel that flywheel. So are you changing your messaging, your creative, and then pushing it out to the paid media, experimenting with it, et cetera? How, how is that? How is that loop being closed? Definitely. So the feedback loop is always continuous, right? Um, we take the first step of how is our paid media performing in terms of engagement, in terms of return on ad spend. And then once we get people to the page as well, um, what is our conversion rate? What is our glance view or product view rate? And we take those two and make sure that they exist in a continuous cycle. And when we start to see a little bit of a decline, we either shift our strategy by introducing new creative in to align with the seasonal moments, uh, both from our brand and the wholesale partnership perspective. Like like, we meant, like I mentioned earlier, where we are creating an experience that is true to us, but it's also native to the consumer in the walls or the partnership that they're um, browsing in. And lastly, we also take a look at what our competitive set is doing to make sure that what we have in the marketplace is in line with what the industry is doing as a whole. So it all sounds amazing. It sounds like, you know, you have a, a very good data-driven decision-making process. But as we've seen uh, since March, you know, the consumer consumption uh, and purchasing patterns has changed so drastically because of COVID. Have you seen that because you are already set up in this way that you've been able to take further advantage of uh, this change in consumer online shopping versus in-store, uh, et cetera? How has COVID changed the way you're marketing and how the consumers are relating to you? It's interesting. I think, you know, working in a digital space, we are very blessed to have that foundation, especially with partners such as Amazon, where people go to Amazon for this immediate needs and Amazon has a supply chain to bring products into hand for our end consumer. So from that perspective, it was very great to be able to just flip a switch and, and put more fire on the flame to get that message out to consumers who were searching for products that they would typically buy in a brick and mortar store. I think what becomes a little bit more interesting is just consumer behavior and terms of these different channels and standardizing what we have in the marketplace. I think that the in-store experience, especially for a brand like Adidas, is still so important because we are a very product-focused brand in the way that we drive innovation by putting product in hand and by being able to showcase a lot of these differentiators like our Prime Blue and our 4G efforts that really come to light when you have the actual product in hand. So it has challenged us as well to think of more creative ways to bring that presentation and that experience to light in a digital fashion. And that is something that we're continuing to evolve on through the evolution of our product pages, as well as the content that we're putting out in the marketplace from an owned and paid, paid perspective. So over the last few years, Adidas has, I would say, embraced a lot of the new AI deep learning capabilities that are coming out for consumers and for supply chain management. For instance, they have that the robotic speed factories where you can uh, or used to be able to go into a store and scan your foot and get the custom built shoe shipped to you in 24 hours. It seems like there's a lot of uh, augmented reality that they're doing now. You know, how, how is that? A, how do you see that uh, evolving uh, over time? 
Yeah, I mean, I think AI from a supply chain perspective is an ingenious integration, right? Because as consumers, we adapt to what is in the marketplace and we now not, we think of two-day shipping or fast shipping in general as a necessity uh, as we're assessing a purchase instead of a nice to have. So AI in that in that lens is important. But as a marketer, I think where AI comes into place is one, understanding how to deliver your message to the right consumer in a more personalized fashion. So now that AI is faster and more precise than ever. We're able to tailor our messaging and segment our, our creative to a more granular fashion and deliver it in a very concise and effective manner. Secondarily, I think where AI is coming into place more so as a fashion brand is just making sure that sizing and fitting experiences can be brought to light in a much more engaging way. So how do we bring different size ranges and body type into the picture from a digital lens using AI? And that I think is a question that we are still assessing and we're still evolving as we're bringing, bringing our different product detail page experiences to light um, in the coming year. Tell us more about the the AI being used for messaging is that dynamic creative optimization, you know, et cetera. Yeah, so it's dynamic creative optimization. It's optimizing the CTA and live time. And it's also just using your data points um, across your purchase, uh, your purchasing pattern to make sure that we're delivering a message and a product to you that is a head to toe look, that is um, something that is in your price range that you're browsing to make sure that that relevancy score uh, stays high and the authenticity of our brand to the end consumer stays consistent and strong. Um, I think as marketers, there is a lot of control that needs to be put into the marketplace in terms of controlling your message and making sure that your brand is truly and authentically being represented in the right fashion. And AI is a huge tool for us to do so. That's great. So let's go back a little bit to COVID. So how has your role changed? I know that you joined right as COVID began, but how have you seen the changes in marketing at Adidas over the last six months? What what is are there new channels? What's going on? I think my role has become even more data focused and the necessity to be nimble has definitely increased. So to define that in a more concise fashion, I think my role has now um, relied on more partnerships and the speed at which those partnerships come to light uh, in the day to day. So an example is how do we identify where our brand heat is in the lens of consumer behavior shifting as people are not going out as much and are staying at home. And insight is, you know, work out from home and loungewear with a huge win this year for most brands. How do we bring that moment to light from a brand perspective? But more importantly, going back to um, the past example of AI, how do we make sure that we have the levers that we can pull just from a supply chain perspective to bring that end product to the consumer once you have that message in the marketplace? So I would say the nimbleness in terms of um, engaging with those partner teams is at an all-time high, as well as creativity in the lens of just analyzing your data set and understanding it from a more predictive lens than ever before. You touched on, (laughs) you basically touched on all of us buying a lot more sweatpants (laughs) through, uh, through COVID and, and uh, uh, casual wear. Now Adidas is much more than just shoes. Of course, you know, there's a lot of different uh, types of clothing and things like that, that you that you um, that you create. So, has the marketing mix for your products changed uh, because of that, or or is it still majority shoes? 
It's interest. It's interesting because we are a very shoe-heavy brand, just in terms of what he of what we have in the marketplace. But I would say it's a pretty strong balance as well of apparel and shoes. We play in a lot of different categories, and for me as an advertiser and as a marketer, I think what has been super interesting is how we continue to talk to our audiences that have that consumption pattern for, for instance, a team sport that isn't playable or engageable right now. And so keep them engaged with the product line, the product benefits, and get them ready uh, to pull that trigger whenever we can go back to that normalcy. Yeah, you, it, that touches on, on another point of COVID is that uh, brands like Adidas, Nike, et cetera, they have a lot of brand exposure from their sponsored athletes from sports. That really went away. Did you see a change in the way that marketing was needed to fill that gap. I would say that's an interesting perspective or an interesting point to bring up. Um, sport is really at the core of our brand. Um, I would say that sport still existed in, in the time of COVID in a different lens. We supplemented our need, or not our need per se, but our footprint of those sponsorships by bringing to light our um, return to sport campaign, where we really did focus on how you bring sport into your day-to-day activities, whether that's working out from home, whether that's just keeping the tradition alive by training, so on and so forth. So I would say that we didn't increase our marketing per se, but we became a little bit more tailored with our creative to the time that we were in. Tell us more about Prime Green and Prime Blue. What are those? What are the differences? And why why should consumers consider them instead of the traditional line of shoes? Got it. So prime blue and prime green, um, you'll see a lot of that notated within our uh, within Adidas.com as well as um, some of our wholesale partners. But prime blue and prime green um, represent product that's just built from recycled materials. So we are not using any virgin plastic to create those products. Reasons why you would choose that over a virgin plastic product is that you are getting a product that is recycled. You're getting a product that's better for the environment, but more importantly, you're contributing to the greater cause. Um, Every year we have a Run for the Oceans campaign that really talks about how we are, as a brand, are really working towards eliminating our carbon footprint or reducing our carbon footprint. And this is a great example of how we're bringing that to light and holding up with that commitment. Also, with a lot of our new products, we are only offering it in prime blue or prime green. So we're kind of creating that charge and uh, creating that uh, adoption a little bit earlier on by creating these products that only exist within the recycled space. And so finally, what do you see the next six months bringing for you and Adidas? Uh, that is a loaded question, given the last six months being so <laughs> rapid in terms of change for both, um, you know, at the personal level and at the brand level. But, you know, one thing I'm really excited for is our sustainability, our sustainability action. Uh, Adidas has been really much so a market leader in terms of bringing that greenness into the marketplace. And we are launching more product than ever within our prime blue and our prime green collections, which really leverages um, recycled material to build out net new products. So that to me is super exciting. And I think over the course of the next six months, we'll see a lot more product come to light with within Prime Blue and Prime Green, which is great as a consumer because you are getting an amazing product that's well designed. But also as an individual, you're getting a product that is very sustainable and that is built with the future in mind. For me, one thing I'm super excited about personally and working at this brand is just the ability to really continue to evolve um, collectively 
within the world of COVID. Going back to your point earlier with the shift from sports, you know, being able to see how we adapt to working out from home, to running a little bit more, um, to finding new ways of engaging with our community, whether that's Zoom calls or FaceTime calls with our partners a bit more. I'm super excited to see how we continue to evolve and navigate this um, landscape and get out on the other end to that new normalcy. A question, a personal question I have actually that I that I think about as I go out to Portland, Oregon to visit family and friends and and enjoy that town is that Adidas chose to headquarter in the United States in the same town as Nike. My understanding is that Nike was there first, but maybe I'm wrong. How does that feel to be next door to the big competitor of Nike being in the same town? It's, I think that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting because there are a lot of associations in terms of brand loyalty, right? Um, there are diehard three-stripe um, fans and there's diehard speed fans. But I would say overall, it's interesting because you do get the lens of your competitive set just within the culture. Um, Portland is a lot smaller of a town than uh, Los Angeles or New, York, or, or New York City. So being able to be a part of a community that is so uh, sports-focused is quite nice, um, but it does create for some interesting parallels, I would say. And what, all right, one last personal question, because I love coming out to Portland and eating. And since you've been there, you're a New Yorker. Food is obviously an important part of our lives in New York. What's your favorite restaurant that you've been to, uh, that you've been able to go to uh, since you've been in Portland? Oh, man. So this one's a little bit bittersweet because they are closed for a bit. But Tusk in Irvington is one of my absolute favorite restaurants. Um, the next time you are in Portland, I would highly recommend. But it's a great Mediterranean restaurant owned by the same people who do Ava Jeans, which is also another one of my favorites. But Great food, great hummus, and just a really great uh, farm to table environment, which I think encapsulates um, my favorite parts of Portland. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Thank you very much. Uh, we're, that, that finishes up this edition of Hidden Layers. Thank you very much, We, for being here and giving us a lot of information on how Adidas has been going through COVID, how it looks at digital, and how it's looking at the future of AI and its efforts. Really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. Please join in next time with another episode of Hidden Layers. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.